This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, pretty PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon, click on the ad free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad free over on Patreon. Is everyone having a good Memorial Day weekend? Well, listen, we've got Roni back in our lives. Have you all watched the trailer for the reboot? Girls Trip is back. Listen, I've got so many thoughts on the reboot after watching the trailer. I've got so many thoughts on the cast for the reboot. All of that's coming. But today we share this never before heard chat. It was on our Patreon way back, but based on when you joined our Patreon level, I have a feeling most of you haven't heard this. So now that Roni is back in our lives, we had the pleasure of sitting down with Ebony K. Williams. Listen, I know you guys all have some thought about Ebony and this and that, but I mean, she's amazing, but that's a whole nother story. Let me remain unbiased. You guys listen, share your own thoughts. But this chat happened when the wheels fell off the whole damn thing after season 13, and we had nowhere to go. So listen to this chat. I find it's interesting. I mean, especially, I've got so many thoughts on Ramona being back. She makes great TV, but I have so many thoughts on, you know, we're getting rid of these people like Kristen and Jax and, and, and Ramona, and now everyone's back in the mix. So that's a whole nother conversation. But this is so interesting in hindsight. This really was like in the height of when the wheels fell off the whole damn thing. I thought it was such a good time to share this with all of you. It was only, it's never been heard on our main feed, just Patreon. So let's get our Roni on and listen to this chat with Miss Ebony K. Williams. And is hindsight 2020, knowing what we all know now and knowing that Roni is back on our lives. 
Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet robe. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, <laughs> the only in studio, Miss Ebony K. Williams. Woo! Woo, 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 woo. Uh, what's up, David? I mean, we are sitting side by side for everyone who's listening, like yes. in an actual studio. This is so like circa 2019. Are you having like I'm having a moment, right? I'm having a moment. It's so good to see you in person because it's like we, we've been talking over a year and to actually like look each other in the eyes is nice. How are you? What are you? Good. Are you like a New Year's person? And yes. You are. Yes. What did you do for New Year's? Um. Okay. Well, this is a little known tidbit. Um, I actually got married. My first and so far only marriage was on New Year's Day. So okay. I, New Year's feels very significant to me is my point. Um, and I had a lovely, just very chill New Year's Eve this year. Um, I took my mother, Gloria, Mama Gloria, to the DR for Christmas, came back and just eased into the new year. So I feel very like excited and hopeful and um, chill, very kind of content coming into 2022. Everyone I know had a very laid back, chilled out New Year's, myself included, I think. And by the way, I thought you were just going to say you got married over this New Year's. I was like, what? Plot twist. Right. No. I was like, <laughs> okay, well. Honey, no, this was like, literally it was 1-1-2011. One, 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 so it was like 1-1-1-1. One, 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 one. Wow. Many moons ago. Did you make, do you make New Year's resolutions? And did you make any New Year's resolutions? I didn't make resolutions, but um, there's a couple things, you know, I'm going to keep to myself. And I'm not a talker about goals. I'm a shower when it comes to goals. So once I've completed them, they will be very clear. But yeah, I've got like three specific things that I'm doing differently in 2022. I love that. I am so the same way. Yeah. Literally. I'm just like, yeah, I, I hate I talkers. hate that like. Y'all stay tuned. Tomorrow I've got a big announcement. Like, child, yeah. I never do that stuff. I never, I'm just like, here's today's show and let's, yeah. yay. And Take it as it comes. Yeah. Tomorrow there's something else. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very excited to talk about your new project in just a minute. This whole new CBS Survivor, this mm -hmm. thing that has, you know, but before we get there. <laughs> so much before we get there. We have so much before we get there. I mean, listen, let's talk about Roni before we get there, right? We have to, of course. I mean, where do I begin? Well, listen, there's a lot that's been going on. Where did we leave off? Because obviously, did I talk to you right before or right when we first aired? When did we last talk? After you were here for your second time, I think we spoke like a few weeks later. Got it. Okay. A few weeks later. So a whole lot of shit's gone down since. A lot of shit has gone <laughs> since then. Well, where is, would you like to start anywhere in particular? No, like me honey, this just... is, you, you are the captain of this ship, David. Well, listen, a lot has happened since you were here, yes. Okay, the reunion was canceled. That we yeah. knew, really, the last time you were here. Yes. So that wasn't a shock. Well, actually, no. I, if I can recall correctly, there was legitimate back and forth and I can you know this is this is the real deal Holyfield here there was legitimate back and forth between the production company and the network and what we were being told as cast members to the point where I did I was pessimistic and then I was legitimately optimistic and I think I told you I really think it's going to happen actually because I think at that point David the last thing I had heard from production slash network was a date and a time and a dress color and a scheme and like I had flown to Dallas to get a custom gown made it was it was doing a lot because you know I do the most 
And then I got a call that day from production. Like in that, I was in Dallas and like getting, picking the dress up, picking up this gown and flying it back to New York. And they were like, we just can't make it happen. So when this, before we even get there, when this is all going back and forth, yeah, you had that white dress. Yes, yes. When this is all going back and forth, half like bridal, half princess. Go ahead. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> what is that like? Is it like okay, Ebony? You know, I think it's on. I think it's on. I mean, it was, it no, was it was like no, it's on. It was like it's on. It's like the, we are filming this on this date. We are working on a venue, but we feel good about it. We've done this a million years. This is happening until it wasn't happening. And then when you got that call, was it just like, we're not having a reunion, goodbye? Like, or were you like, well, why? I mean, like, was there a discussion before this of like, if we don't have one, no, why? No, wow. definitely not. Um, and it was more like, we really tried. And I, I guess I would say that there was evidence of that effort, I think, legitimately, I think. I Yeah, that would be my take on that, my interpretation of that. And then it was like, what was said publicly is what was, was told to me directly, that there was not a lot of confidence that due to the time lapse between when we stopped airing and when this reunion would not only be shot, because I guess we would have been shooting in late September, I think, at that point. So by the time it was edited and actually aired, obviously we're in October, maybe even early November, they just didn't trust and feel good about a significant audience tuning in for that. Interesting. Now we could talk about the fact that the Shaws of Sunset has had a reunion that is aired six months after the fact, but you literally took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, I mean, because we're researchers, we honey, we we're, we're gonna come with. The, we know what's going we, on. We, we know what's going on in the descent, honey. Honey, we're lawyers. Like, we're lawyers, right? Lawyer, like, so you know, like, we, that's what we do. We cherry pick the factoid that supports the argument. Yeah. Um, and so that was in the ethos, and you know, still, you know, listen, it's an executive decision by the executives, which I do respect and support. So, you know, but, you know, whatever. Yes. But going back, you know, you have to say, well, then why wasn't there a reunion right away? I mean, that's how it works. That's because, right? Because now then we have some facts that come out. So, sure. like, why wasn't there a reunion right away? Sure. Inquiring minds will forever want to know. I don't think that there'll ever be, like, a very thorough answer to that. I think that that will be forever a point of convolution and... Speculation. Right. That's the most truthful thing I can, and direct shit I can tell you, David. Right, because, I mean, I could speculate. I mean, I yeah, don't work we, for Bravo. I can speculate, too. I don't work for Bravo in that way, really, either, right? You know, right. I'm just a talent for hire. So, yeah, we don't make those decisions. And we're not privy to those insider decisions. You yeah. know, but I, what I would imagine, based off of the weight of the franchise... The legacy of Housewives in totality is that it wasn't a decision that was made lightly. And I would imagine that very serious considerations were on the table to make a very kind of, uh, what do you call it, unprecedented decision. That's what I would say. Right. What about the whole fanfare, not fanfare, the whole hoopla that comes out then on page six, and then it took off, that... The reunion we now found out is canceled because Ebony launched, you know, a complaint of racism, and I'm paraphrasing against Ramona, and there was an investigation, and that is why we have, did not have a reunion because that was then the narrative. This is what's happened since we last. Spoken. This is this is a tiny bit of what is happening. <laughs> a little tiny bit. A little iota. Listen, um, 
as a fellow attorney, David, I, I, I know you will respect what I'm about to say about this, and this is the only thing I've said about it. To the extent that there was or was not an investigation or a human resources complaint or conclusions around it, I actually think that it is so like uncouth and lame and, and raggedy, for lack of a better term, that any of that would have been made public. Because whether it happened or it didn't happen or whatever, like the, the, the integrity of an investigation like that is based on the discretion and the privacy in which that happens. Because let's let's just do um, like a, a, what do you call it, a, an example here. Let's do like a hypothetical. Yes. If indeed there was a workplace complaint, and let's say it was investigated, and let's say it was found to be credible, then whatever organization has, they have an option to terminate that person or to come up with... Um, you know, compliant activity that could rectify or rehabilitate the behavior or a number of other things that they get to decide to do that's in the best interest of everybody involved. And when you make it public, whatever the outcome or decision is, you take away the power to implement something that could be really beneficial for everybody. So I'm not here for the speculation about a potential possible investigation. I'm not here for the speculation of what was... Um, confounded or or found to be true or not true or any of that bullshit. I just think it's it, it, it reeks of undermining the credibility of something really fucking serious. Um, if indeed there were accusations and investigations and conclusions, that's high stakes shit for everybody involved. And I don't, will not participate in any way in the public discourse of something that is really at its core totally designed and and it's so important that it be maintained in um the privacy and internal you know nature of what that is seeking the truth never gets old introducing june's journey the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery join june parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s with new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Oh my God. Now you guys know I love drinking vodka. I talk about it all the time on this podcast. It really is my go-to to have a good time, to relax, to unwind. But right now I'm not sure I'll ever drink vodka again because I'm obsessed with these Nebula 9 ready to drink cocktails. I like to say it's vodka in a can, 
But okay, it's much more than that. Nebula 9 has great flavored vodka, but I really am obsessed with these like cans. I mean, they're so easy. You just open the can and you drink. Each can has two shots per can. So each can, you drink one can, it's like having two shots of vodka. How great is that? Now, I told you last week, this is very serious, that my favorite flavor was the Palmy Blue Cosmo. I stand corrected. I've spent the past week with these four amazing flavors, Moscow Mule, Pineapple Passion Fruit Paradise, Great Beyond, and the Palmy Blue Cosmo. I stand corrected. I like the Great Beyond the best. Also, there's no added sugar. And so like, you know, sticking on my health kick, it's the summer. This also works for that. Order yours today at nebula9vodka.com and use promo code VELVET for 10% off your order. Of course, always drink responsibly. And of course, you have to be 21 years or older to purchase. That's nebula9vodka.com. Use promo code VELVET for 10% off your order. Enjoy. I mean, that makes sense. Like if you're in a office sitting at a desk and there's a real investigation. Yeah. The other employees sitting there don't find out. Right. That's the thing. Like whether that person is is liable, so to speak, or or complicit and found to be, you know, um, corroborated is the word. Right. What good would it do that if if there's a a kind of um, rectification plan, a rehabilitation plan in place, then you don't say, hey, guys, by the way, (laughs) we did a really long investigation and found that your colleague did or said this and it was fucked up and terrible. But we're now have them on a corrective plan. So everybody just be cool. Like, what? Like, no, it doesn't work right. that way. Yeah, and I mean, it's actually the opposite. I mean, yeah, like, the people so, in charge go out of their way. And, say, and, and I support that. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I really support full-heartedly um, the, the protection of the nature of that work. And I think it's really shitty that whoever or whatever, you know, leak, made it up, whatever the fuck, um, broke the confidentiality of, you know, that potential situation. That makes sense. Well, what do you think is the person or leak or, I mean, how does this get out? I don't know. That was probably, I think, David, for me, from start to finish of how my housewives experienced thus far, the most, I guess, unanticipated aspect of this whole world of housewives is this notion of press leaks and people calling and talking to the press or decide. And it's just, it's just not my, my jam. It's not my speed. Like, you know, much to some people, including some colleagues, dismay. When I feel away or I have a statement, I really like to go on the record and just say, as I have said in, in prior times, this is true. This is not true. This is my thought on this. And take it to the fucking bank. You know, I'm not a pussy, as I told um, that brilliant writer from Variety. You know, um, and, and I, you know, if, you, if, if your style is leaking and playing coy, and I said it, but I didn't say it, then more power to you. It's just not my, I've never in my 28 years of life played that game. And I mean, out of many housewives that have come and gone, you actually have some experience in the media. Yes. Uh, I had a whole 10-year career, um, you know, five of it very visible prior to housewives in terms of journalism and news and media. So, and that's, that's the, and, and I'm used to journalism in the sense right. that not that it makes me better than anybody, but I'm used to, oh, I don't know, two vetted sources before something's reported. And so I learned a crash course, David, in the difference between respectable journalism and tabloids. Because, like, these, you know, some of these, you know, outlets are calling me, like, do you have a comment? I'm like, what's, what's who's, what, what is your source? You know, what, what where are you getting? Oh, it's this, you know, what the fuck is that? 
you know, and realizing that, that there are no journalistic integrity standards here. It's literally a gossip rag. So go pick, write what the fuck you want to write then. All right, I got it now. I get it now, but it took me a while. I was very, like, naive and hostile to this whole game in the beginning. This, so this is one of the things you've learned from Housewives. Yes. The whole, like, this is how the media in this world works. Exactly. That's so interesting. I, I mean, considering you've been yeah. in the media. Yeah, but in a very different way. Like, right. when you're in news, as you know, or journalism, or, or even just more kind of traditional, legitimate platforms, there there are... There's protocol, you know, there's protocol, there's do's, there's don'ts, there's, again, there's oversight, there's, and there's just none of that, nobody gave a fuck about that in this world, so I was like, all right, got it, I got it now, I'm I'm cool to play it again now. It's like a whole extra housewife person involved, it's like there's this this media element. Yeah, and that's a big housewife, you know what I mean? It's a big housewife. Yeah. So what, you know, you said, like, this was the most shocking thing or whatever in your whole experience. So what happens, like, when you wake up that morning and this is now? It just feels really crappy because, like, I'm somebody that, obviously, I work in television, so I'm not going to play coy. Like, oh, I don't want, like, anybody to ever say my name. But that's, that's, I guess I'm just a little old school and a little um, specific in the way that I like to be relevant in these spaces. So all relevancy is not good relevancy to me. Um, so it's not like, hell yeah, bitch, I'm on page six or I'm on Daily Mail, fuck it. Who cares what the time? Like, no, like it's kind of wag, like for real. And so it kind of saddens me. So like when there's stretches where I'm not mentioned, it's very relieving to me to be candid. Mm-hmm. And are you shocked that some of your colleagues probably aren't similar in that sense that, you know, I think like they're probably happy to be on Daily Mail and page six and the song and all these lovely places. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I mean, not, Knowing what I know now, not having lived it, I mean, I think somebody, I don't know if it was Carol or Bethany, but somebody said in an interview or a publication, like 90% of the conflict that exists between us as housewives or women, it's the show. And that I can attest to a thousand and one percent. Like, I don't think I had a conflict with anybody during the season or after the season or up until this day that on some level wasn't really rooted in the show and the mechanics of the machine. Carol said it here. Behind oh, the okay. Background. All right. Okay. Got it. Okay. But I was going to ask you. No, no, right. Yeah. Shout out to Carol. And Razzle. you for framing the question. Yes. Because that is very fucking accurate. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean by that? Like, I understand what you mean, but for people listening. It's like, it, it, it becomes a shadow conflict, right? So it, it, what looks like it might be playing out, even let's just say, in, in my season of Roni, because, I mean, they're really, if you really watch, this is going to be a hot take, David, but but if you really watch episode for episode, I think we had 17 episodes in season, in the infamous season 13 of Roni, which will, I actually think will age quite well. You do. I do. Because I've already, and I'll, I'll get, I got some receipts on that, which we'll get to. I think it was a real, like, it, it was a real, like, big pill for people to swallow in real time. We're still in this pandemic. There was such a, I think, expectation for what Roni was, which I'm such a departure from. We'll get to that as well. Um, and just how a five-woman, just so many expectations that season 13 just shattered. And so I think there was a lot of reaction to that. I think when we have this conversation about season 13, and I think even as little as three or four years, it will, it will age very purely. 
in, a, in a really, I think, um, kind of enlightening way. I really do. It, it, it will be studied in academia. I guarantee you that. I've already talked to some professors that are literally already planning curriculum around it. But back to this Carol quote that's very accurate. Let's look at the outpour of reaction once we were airing and a lot of the press conflict between myself and castmates that has happened since, um, even going up until the Dave Quinn book party. It's not about the show. Oh, that's what I was going to say. If you go back and you look at those 17 episodes, David, there wasn't a ton of direct conflict between the ladies, me and the ladies, the ladies and themselves. It, it, was, it was what? Really think about it. It was Luann and I in Sack Harbor. That was the first big one. It was, you know, Leah calling everybody hoes and the whole Leah and sexual commentary versus Ramona Blue thing. Right. There was uh, Ramona and I in her apartment and me trying to frame this point of connection between women ascending in politics and Ramona not having it. Fine. And then there was really kind of Black Shabbat, obviously, was a big thing. Right. But beyond that, where was the conflict? Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Listen, you guys know that vodka is my go-to to kind of take the edge off, right? I mean, I talk about it all the time. You guys also know that I just moved into my Hamptons house in my LA house, and life has been a little more stressful than normal. If you could see how I've been living, literally, I mean, I'm too busy doing this podcast to unpack. So there are literally clothes all over the floor. And I just, I have friends that swear by THC gummies. And it's really not been my thing, but I'm like, listen, I need something. And my mind was racing. All I was doing was thinking about unpacking and I also couldn't sleep at night. So all my friends use microdose THC gummy. So I'm like, look, let me try it out. I started with the entry level dose, which I love. They have an entry level dose. I'm like, okay, this sounds like me. The wild berry is great. And I have to say the THC gummies from microdose helped me sleep better at night. They definitely took off the anxiety. And I also feel like I'm living more in the moment and I'm not really, when I'm working, I'm not really thinking about unpacking. And when I'm unpacking, I'm not really thinking about work. So listen, check out microdose microdose is available nationwide and to learn more about microdosing thc go to microdose.com and use code velvet row to get free shipping and 30 percent off your first order links could be found in the show description but again that's microdose.com code velvet row there wasn't really a lot of conflict on the season the heat of the drama came in the airing and the press and all the shit that came after and I was going to say, going up even into the Dave Quinn book party and whatever happened or didn't happen or what 
somebody concluded or didn't. I don't, to this day, I don't know what fucking happened that night at that party. I just know I got there late as fuck. When I got there, nobody from my cast was there. I didn't actually take it any kind of way. Um, I think the I think the red carpet was from 7 to 8. And I didn't know that until I was like on the train headed there. So I, I was planning to get there at 8. I was like, oh, shit, I missed the carpet. And it was literally wrapping as I was getting there. You can ask anybody that was there there. And so I didn't take it anyway. So to wake up the next morning to this, it was a pact. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I, uh. Do you think that's true, though? Do you think there was a pact? I, I don't have any evidence of that. Could it have been? Is it possible? I get anything's fucking possible. But I also, at that point, had lived enough of this, t- everything I just talked to you about, this whole, like, bullshit tabloid world to know not to put a lot of stock into it. So it wasn't like I was on the phone, like, yo, what the fuck? Like, like I just, whatever. people need content, David. People need content and they make shit up. And I'm okay with that now because that's part of being a housewife. But You could have called me about this whole part of the business because I could have told you that. Yeah. And whatever it is, it's over in, okay, maybe 40, maybe 72 hours, but often 24 hours. Like Yeah, the new side. Yeah, the plus. But, but, but then when it comes to the nature of the relationships between the women... Uh, that that part is not necessarily over in twenty four hours. Yeah, you gotta you left to clean up the mess. Right, and so that to Carol's point is what at least I've experienced. I can only obviously speak for what I've lived in real time, David. Every conflict that I have with any castmates is rooted in something outside of out something outside of just us as women. It's something that has to do with our perceptions or our positioning. Really, it's positioning either in the show or in the media or our public personas. It's something to do with that. And and really, that becomes economic. So what we're really all fighting about is money, if we really want to tell the truth about it. Right. Yes. I, yes. yes. Right? Well, I mean, when, when you say it's about the show and Carol, there's I divide it into two categories, personally. Mm-hmm. I divide it into the category A, where it's like even when Heather Thompson was here, after, you know, mm-hmm. you guys are good now, but she even said Carol tried to explain that since I left the show, it's not the same Roni. It's different. Now we have social media. So to me, it's like when it's kind of the same thing you're talking about. It's like almost like on A, it's like, right, there's all the social media and the media. So that's what it's about. But it's also, I think what you're about to say with that money, it's like, it's not about the show. It's about like jockeying for position and camera time. And changing the narrative, like you're standing in front of me, and I'm not really mad at you, but wait, there's the camera. Right. I gotta now make something up. So it's right. almost like a double-edged sword to me when Carol says it's about the show, and I think you too. It's like twofold. It's about yeah. I don't have a problem with you, but now we're in the press and it's on. Right. So let's go. That's really great. It's almost like a it's like I don't really have a problem with you. Right. But the the disruption and the uh, and the and the kind of energy that you're bringing to the show might adversely affect my pocket, right? Right. And if that's the case, now I do have a problem with you. Not because of anything that happened in Salem or or in the Hamptons or at, you know, the birthday party, but because, bitch, this is in my pockets. And so now it's a real problem, but we can't articulate it that way, right? We can't express it that way because that's blowing up the fourth and fifth right. and sixth walls, right? <laughs> so now I have to... You're getting an energy from me, and I'm receiving said energy that is changing my feelings towards you as a woman and the way we're interfacing in every way. But the root cause, it's about the money. It's about the positioning. It's about the fact that 
your handling of the platform, your handling of the show, your handling of your position on the show does not exist in isolation of the rest of us and certainly me as an individual castmate. And so therefore, it's it's like people feel very entitled, David, to be very intrusive as far as how they respond to your handling of your platform because it's an ensemble show. And that right. is also something I'm not necessarily accustomed to. Right. You know, like this ensemble dynamic means that a lot of women on these shows have a we sink or swim together mentality. They're willing to take a lot of shit and eat a lot of shit for the dynamic of we're in this together as people that whose fates are tied on the basis of this show being entertaining and high rated and successful. So someone that would have the audacity to say, yeah, of course, who doesn't get on the show and want it to do well. But if I need to move a little differently for the sake of something that feels a little higher and a little more important by virtue of the work that I do in this world, it's going to be met with a lot of hostility. And that was my experience. Is that, Are you hearing me? Yes. Yes. Well, first of all, I agree. I'm the same way. Like, I, you could say, you could say anything about me. I have mm-hmm. the thickest skin. I don't yeah. care. Right. It's like, now you're creating extra work for me in my business. So, my right. day tomorrow now is going to be more difficult because of you. Yes. And now I'm pissed off. Yes. Now, and, like, now, I'm and I'm for real pissed right, off. Right. Yeah. It's like, this is like life. Yes. This is, and so and now it's like my business and you're not, you're not going to win. Yeah. You're not, I mean... But you just now cost me an extra hour of work tomorrow, and I'm fucking exhausted. Or you're, or you're threatening my positioning, you know, in this world. And and for right. for many of the women, and this is beyond Romy, right? For many of the women that exist as housewives, this literally, you know, changes their life in in a sense of. And, and I mean, there's how many housewives have there been now? Over 122, something crazy. Like something that? crazy. Yeah. Okay. So of that, I would say there's probably 30, like a Kathy Hilton that, you know, I'm sure she enjoyed this. Nothing about her actual life looks different. Kathy, Kathy Hilton been rich, gonna die rich. That's right. been famous, gonna die. Like it, her life has not changed. Right. But there are people, David, and we know them, that but for housewives live a little different life. I'm talking about in terms of what they're able to do professionally, the family life they live, their financial existence, the lifestyle they get to enjoy. So they take this shit very seriously. Any names that you want to give as an example? <laughs> oh, I think the people know. You know, and by the way, that's not with um, any Shame, condemnation. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the point of the platform for all of us. I'm trust me. When people talk about me having an agenda, if you define agenda as coming on this show with very real and severe intentions to elevate the work that I do out in the world, which is rooted in, like, elevating a shared level of humanity and consciousness, you're goddamn right I have an agenda, you know? And I think anybody that joins this show has some kind of agenda, whether it's to better their financial situation. You know, I've talked to, you know, fellow, you know, colleague, new, new-ish housewives that are like, listen, I'm not going to continue to let my husband bear the entire brunt of the financial fortunes of this family. I want to contribute. That's an agenda. So let's not demonize women coming on this shit with a point. That's the point. Right. I mean. But I think the difference is, is when everybody else, not everybody, but the majority of women's interest is financial and you have a different kind of primary agenda. Because don't get me wrong. I I, I love some coins. Okay. Clearly. 
Um, you and, and I both have our wave. It's yeah, but we're not. Like, and and that's left, you know, a hundred and and just like building generational wealth, and that's a big part of what I'm doing. Purchasing my first real estate property in New York this year. Fuck yes, the money is very important, so I don't want to downplay that. Um, but it's not necessarily my primary. Like this is the smallest check I get, you know, because I'm a I was a first year housewife. I would just say my experience was very similar to Carol in that way. Okay, we are, we all you know we know what that means. But the point is, that it was means. still the smallest check that I got, so I, my incentive couldn't be there. And even if it was a one million dollar check for me, I, I'm blessed. I have other ways I get to that million. Literally, God is good all the time. So therefore, my my primary like agenda, my primary motivation, my primary kind of use for this show, David, was so vastly different than some of my colleagues, that it, it it caused, that really was the conflict. Right. Because to your point, there really was no conflict during the show. No! You know, there were these little... It was like three episodes. And by the end, we all saw the last episode, which was a great kiki. It was the most fun. You know why? Because it was the, finally, it took all that shit that we went through on and off camera, and it was, you know, whatever, long season, because we had all the COVID breaks, and we filmed for like almost five months. It was, it yeah. was long. And, um... In the end, it was like we finally trusted each other. Like, you're not coming for me. I'm not coming for you. You see me. I see you. And that's why all all of that heavy-handedness that I think people felt I led with during the season was to get to that place that we did get to at the end, which was, you know, this is me. And I really want to be accepted or rejected from this group of women based on the truth of that. What's the saying? I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I'm not. That was really important to me. Um, and it's important to me in all my spaces. So I think we ended up in a wonderful place, and then the machine started, and it got—I think it got the best of us as a as a collective. So, like when you were filming, you could t- could you tell the machine was working? Like when did it no, first? No, I, I had no idea. I mean, it, it might have been. Like, it probably was. Like in you didn't feel like wait, like. Ramona is right, or Leah has an no. agenda, like camera time. No, and I'm no. gonna make you look I was no, like I was so um unaware of that. Moment. Yeah, I was in the mind. Now also I you know this is where I'd have to laugh at myself. Um and you know, I don't take myself as seriously as people make it out to be. Sometimes I'm like really, really silly and naive. I was really in it. And not to say they weren't, some of them were too, you know, um at various times, some more so than others, obviously. But no, I really took that shit at face value. You know, and was so unaware of what was to come by way of the press. Even look, okay, go back for those that are just like listening to this, like, right, like, what are these two talking about? Like, what? Like, huh? Go back and watch the Watch What Happens Live um, that, uh, that aired after the season premiere. And all five of us were there virtually with Andy. And all of the women said, when asked, Ebony was an amazing addition. She fit in so seamlessly, so easily. Um, her, like, it was just all amazing. And I felt the same way. Like, not that it hadn't been hard at points, but like, this is so, this is so great. We were so, we were really, because that was before the, the season aired and people were being reacted to and all the shit started. But when it came to, this is, to me, like evidentiary proof, if you will, right, of what I'm saying in this conversation, you can take it to the bank. The conflict, the where me and each of my colleagues are at this point is a 100% complete result of the airing of the show and everything that happened after that. It had nothing to do with our season. 
because when we finished and we wrapped and Andy was like, oh my God, this is great. And it was just all good, which goes to show you how much it wasn't about the season. You were even good with Luann. Yes. Wow. Yes. Luann, when Luann's um, sweet baby Astro passed um, over the summer when we wrapped, I, you know, not that I'm special in this way, but I just happened to take the lead on making sure that we as a, a cast ordered her flowers and sent them to her at Zach Harbor and she received them and was very nice to all. Like, no, we were all good. It was only after the airing of the episodes and the audience reacting and the press reacting and that feeling very threatening to each woman in her own capacity, me included, right? That then it really became, I really don't fucking fuck with you <laughs> because of a dynamic around what you might be costing me fiscally and and persona-wise. And that's what I think is true about what Carol is saying. It is not about, I don't like you because of what happened at lunch in Sag Harbor. That ain't it. Right. It is all about the show and the positioning and the money and the stakes. So when, right, I, I agree with all that. So yeah. when did that, right, so to watch what happens, everyone's thrilled. Everybody's good. So when Everybody, did they did In their start... individual press interviews, which I wasn't even a part of, you know, they would say, Ramona, Lou, Sonia, all of them, um, you know, obviously Leah too, but different with the OGs because they're really kind of the guard that is the threshold of acceptance for a veteran franchise like this. Couldn't have been greater. They were all like, she is magnificent. She is a fantastic fit on this show. And it goes from that to where we are now, um, which is polarizingly different. And and the answer as to why is quite obvious. And I get it, by the way. I don't take this why? shit personally. Because I am on this show all season long, essentially. Actually, no. I'm going to restate that. Up until we got to Salem on this show, and then again during Black Shabbat. And I want to talk about Black Shabbat because... It went in a direction that I didn't even intend it to go in, which is very interesting to me. Um, up until Black Shabbat, um, I I'm challenging these women, and not just these women, who I'm really challenging, David, is the audience. I'm challenging our society, um, because that's what I've been doing since I was 16 years old. Let me be very clear. Like, I have a bachelor's degree in Black Studies, for God's sakes. I'm not new to this. This is not a result of George Floyd, you know, like... I was reading the autobiography of, you know, Malcolm X and the, the, the slave narratives of Frederick Douglass at seven. Wow. Like, this is me. I'm a nerdy black academic, literally. And that's yeah. who Bravo cast on the show. And they had their choice of the most exceptional black women in New York City. So put a pin in that. So anyways, I'm challenging my castmates, though, because that's who we're talking about for the sake of this conversation, around their very personal and public views on issues of race and culture and social consciousness. And while in a certain capacity and context that could be acceptable and even very good in this very public nature, what they saw when the episodes aired, I think they had appreciation for it actually in real time, to some extent. You do, like you don't think like Ramona was uncomfortable, Luann? Um, I think that there, of course, yes, yes, in real time there was uncomfortability. But then there's these glimpses of, and I thought it didn't get enough attention, where you see Ramona in the season say, and she's getting ready in the bathroom with Sonia in the first Hamptons trip, in Ramona's own charming way. You know, I never thought about what it might be like to be the only white chick in a group of friends. And you know, Ebony is dealing with that. And you know, that's something to think about. And that's what I was going for. 
it's just that moment of reflection, David. You know what I mean? It's I'm not trying to make Ramona no, and I'm and apart. It's like that is a revelation of Ramona, right? Yes, and that's fucking important to me. I think that's the progress that changes the world. I really do. Um, I think that's an indicator of what is possible when we do the hard fucking work and and kind of push those that we care about and believe in. And even in that fucking, you know, scene that everybody kind of, you know, had a reaction and cringed to of me and Ramona's and Ramona almost ran out of her own apartment. I, you see me say, Ramona, I don't think you're like this fragile, weak bitch. I actually think you're quite intelligent. And I think you have capacity for consciousness and growth and a level of progress here that you're not giving yourself credit for. And you see her kind of admit it because she's like, I stayed up on the Google and I found out the EJ Walker bitch is EJ Walker, but you're getting close, but you're getting close. She made an effort. She made (laughs) an effort. And I'm not, I'm, I'm really very serious. That effort means something to me. And so that was really where we were going. You even see Luann and some of it didn't air and some of it did air after the Sag Harbor and the Angry Black you know, I think I think Lou did sit in that and say, you know what? I still don't quite like agree with the way you handled it, but I can own some of my shit. Like that's beautiful shit to me, David. That's beautiful humanitarian growth. And and like that's the power of what happens when we like push each other in loving ways. Right. But but none of that nuance is going to make its way to the airing of a 44-minute show, which I get. And I think I totally underprepared for the very kind of binary way in which it would be received by our audience and the press. And I think the women felt, you know, that I was consciously or unconsciously trying to make them look a certain way, whether that was look racist or look ignorant or look that. No, that doesn't benefit me. You know, my benefit is it's those moments I just shared with you, David, those moments of reflection and growth and how I even was really vulnerable in those first couple of us episodes saying it's been since high school that I've sat in a group of all white social circles and white women friend groups, because that's not unique to Roni season 13. That's life. Most all of us are right. in racially homogenous social circles or sexually oriented homogenous social circles. Or geographically, that's the nature of sociology. So what we did in season 13, adding a black woman for the first time in 13 years, it's a sociological experiment. And so people saw that Which is what Housewives is in general. In general. But you add that notion of a a red-hot, searing, nerve-pushing element of race in America in the peak of this racial reckoning that we're still very much in, okay... And people lost their shit. People can handle it. People lost their shit. Now, look, because, I mean, I was there, but you were there. Like, you lived yeah, it. Yeah, I so, lived it. Like, so, right, so everything's great after Watch What Happened. So what, like, when did it start to change? Was it, like, people, that, you know, was it the media saying, hold on, the ratings are bad? Yeah. Like, was it the people watching that are like, whoa, this is heavy? Or was it, like your castmates saying, wait, she just did an interview and she said, what? You know, yes. thinking that you had some agenda and like you said, like... Let's start with the lab. Okay. All of the above. Right? Because I mean, I... 100% right? all of the above. Because somehow this turns. Yes, yes. No, no, and agreed. And it took me a while to, you know, I've had like, what, I don't know, nine months to, to, to figure it out, put the pieces together. 
all of the above, but let's start with what you ended with, because that was, I think, the, the, the big ticket item, was me doing press interviews that, again, I'm taking at face value like an idiot, you know, um, and I'm just talking to them like I'm talking to you. Like, this is, you know, a nuanced, deep conversation, and da 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 and then by the time it's edited down for, you know, a 250-word whatever, my castmates are pissed. You know, they're like, what the fuck? You thought I didn't recognize your humanity when your grandmother died? And I'm trying to explain, well, yes, and let me tell you why. It's not an indictment of you. It's me saying, because of America's history, culturally, black people, for instance, uh, enslaved blacks. Let's go back to our history's origin around this. When we were put on the auction block and sold away from our family members and our babies and our mothers, we were literally beaten for crying. Literally, um, because that was too much of an exposure of our humanity. And the whole point was we're beasts and we're not, we're not, we're animals, we're not human. So that's not far removed from the way you see a lot of black, this notion of the strong black woman, right? This trope right. of the strong, and that I very much am working on. So when you've got Ramona and myself, I mean, I'm sorry, not Ramona. When you've got Leah and myself both having dying grandmothers at the same exact time, I mean, the women literally transitioned and died within a week of each other. Um, and you've got Leah responding in a very authentic way to Leah, which was a lot of tears and emotion. And you've got me literally holding it in. The day my grandmother died, I didn't even tell the women. Right. Because I just didn't have a social conditioning that felt that that was okay to do. You know, so I'm stoic. I'm, I'm at work. You know, I'm like, right. but we got a show to do. You know, that's real. And then... For Ramona to say, you know, back in the Sag Harbor episode or whatever, like, well, Leah's getting away with being a bitch basically because her grandmother's dying. And I'm like, well, mine is too. Just right. trying to connect those dots for her right. and say, you know, so when you fail inadvertently, I, I presume, I don't think it's personal. I think it's an inadvertent failure to give me the same emotional grace to whatever, act out, be extreme, have a reaction to my dying grandmother that you give Leah. I don't know how to place that because I don't know you that well. Let's for let's remember, I'm just meeting these women. Yeah. So I don't know how much of it is just flighty Ramona or how much of it might be a social conditioning, right? That says this is a strong black woman. She's all right. And this is fragile Leah who needs to be coddled. Right. And I know that's deep. No. But I'm deep, sense. you know? And that's what I think a lot of people kind of take an issue with me. I'm a deep bitch. You know, like I and I, my I can't unknow what I know, David. And so when 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 I'm reacting and responding and internalizing and analyzing and you know an interview, these are all of the processes that I am going through, and I'm not going to be shamed around it's that. The curse of being a lawyer, Ebony. It, it kind of is, and a Virgo, and a Virgo. Honey, I, I, I'm a Gemini. That oh well, that's yeah, that's, that's its own shit. Yeah, world. but yeah. But does that make sense, though, that, that example with the Ramona and the dying yeah. grandmother thing? Because for me and Ramona, I can tell you, that's where we went off. That was the beginning of the end of what we had that was actually quite nice at the end of the season. And so that's really right. So that was that. And then it was in these interviews, and that's what it was. They were saying, mm -hmm. you said this, you said that. Yeah. Now I mean, you're trying to pay me one correct. way or what. And then I they yeah. came out swinging. They came out swinging. Well, apparently they came out swinging. Stay tuned for part two of our chat with Ebony K. Williams. We talk more about how things were pretty much copacetic during filming. And then when the show aired, there was public outcry and critical reception to this infamous season 13 of Roni. The ratings dipped. 
And really, everyone was just worried about their own future on the show. And speaking of the future of Roni, yes, we finally get to what you guys are probably wondering. Has Ebony heard from producers? Has Luann? Has Ramona? Sonia? Leah? We chat about it all. Ebony breaks down what she's heard, who has been contacted, is Roni coming back, when is Roni coming back, who from the past has been contacted. We get into all of it. So stay tuned for part two of our chat with Miss Ebony K. Williams. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.